millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Charlie Baker. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Very sad news this morning that Sir Michael Parkinson had died. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sir Michael had been a guest in the studio on several occasions over the years. And we played you some clips of some chats we had with him back in 2016. And one of his friends for the longest time, somebody he'd known for over 80 years, Dickie Bird, yeah. the legendary umpire joined us and spoke very movingly about Michael, didn't he? Yeah, it's always a privilege when people like that join us, and especially if it's their friends, Paul, isn't it? You know, and he spoke so well. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Uh, it was it was uh, very good of him to come on uh, at a difficult time like that. We also, we had a bit of a chat. We did. We had and a And we ball. had a birthday spread, which was very exciting as always. So, here it all is. <laughs> Um, Steve Parrish, the uh, Crystal Palace chairman, has just tweeted, I'm absolutely delighted to announce that Michael Elise has decided to commit his future to Crystal Palace Football Club and this afternoon signed a new four-year deal with the club. That must come as a great relief to Palace fans because there was a lot of stories about Chelsea. We spoke to Bruce Millington about it yesterday and he has immediately replied to Steve Parrish with uh, celebration emojis. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, uh, I'm sure it is a a relief. Good bit of business for the agent there and it going in well wow. we'll take him elsewhere yeah. do you want to sign well, the contract or we'll take him elsewhere sometimes you haven't got to do that have you sometimes that the other clubs sharing an interest do it for you that's how so. I'd do it Paul if I was an agent is that what you'd be hard like? line yeah you'd be a hard line very agent. hard line none of my players would have clubs is your agent quite hard line with you? Oh, very hard line. You ever yeah. tried to book me, Paul? I'm impossible. Really? Impossible. <laughs> not impossible the, to not get. the toughest booking we've ever had. Um, Can you do Yes. If people... I mean, we should point out that you're now... On, I was going to say, you're now on Cameo. No, you're, not, there, yeah. you're not in Cameo, in the cameo. band, are you? But word you up, look good Paul. in a cod piece. <laughs> word um, up. Yeah. Um, cameo, Paul. Ever seen Cameo? Uh, you send sort of personal messages yeah, to people, I think, don't you? I think you? you should be on it. I think I've been trying to get you on Instagram. I haven't got you on that. So other than no. I'm going to get you on Cameo. Right. Cameo is where you you go. Hello, hello, John. Happy birthday to you. Hope you have a great day. You know, sending people a happy birthday. Oh, okay. Or if you've got a, if you've got a catchphrase or two like "Don't knock the lock." Yeah. If people like that, I could You're say using that. that. Are you? Because no, not who. Do you own? No, don't I don't. Knock the no, lock? no I'm, do, I, do you want? The, do you want half of it? <laughs> half the money. <laughs> no, you're okay. You're half okay. the Cameo money. Are you doing all those other catchphrases? Go that get it. Shut that door. Go get it. Not in this game. Autobiography. Yeah. yeah. Look at the muck in here. Yeah, you're doing all of your catchphrases. <laughs> I said to Arkwright, all these those. are all my catchphrases. Um, yeah. Eiffel Tower is one of my catchphrases from a show I was in. But look, I'm not using this as an advert for that, Paul. No, you, okay. you bought that I up. did bring it up. I am you. on Cameo, and I'm also on tour. There we are. The advert ends at the start of the show. Okay, 24 good. 24-hour pasty people. 
Um, so, a couple of things to get yes. going on today. Um, I, uh, yes, there was a little piece, um, you've probably seen it on social media today, of Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Jones, yeah. the former England uh, rugby coach, now in charge of Australia, kicking off with the Australian media. Oh, yeah. Going absolutely bonkers. Um, the, oh, that's a good he's, sign. Basically, he's not happy with you. So where's all, why all this negativity he's going on? Why are you yeah. so negative? Ask another negative question. They're trying to get a word in. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Go on, be more negative. But he's doing all of it. And it slightly undermines him getting quite ratty. Yeah. He's doing all of it in a, in a sort of odd hat. You know the, <laughs> do you know the hats that they wear on I'm a Celebrity, get yeah. me out of here? Is he wearing one it's of It's almost those? like a, cow, a leather cowboy hat, like an Aussie <laughs> hat. You'd buy a dryer's bone with it, you'd have the hat yeah. and the dryer's bone coat, wouldn't nice. you? Nice, yeah. So He's not quite the height of man to pull that off. <laughs> no. When, you, when you're a shorter man and you wear a hat like that... Don't wear a it, big hat. It looks a bit like a lid. <laughs> you do look like a sort seller, don't you? Yeah. You do look like you want to pick him up and shake him. You know, but so, uh, we can only think that someone within uh, Rugby Australia has said, yeah, leave the hat in, Eddie. You look really good in that. Yeah, you think so? The hat yeah, suits you. The hat suits you. So now and again, you can get suckered in, can't you, when someone says, you know what, you should really yeah. definitely keep wearing that. looks really good. That is your look. <laughs> that is you. That's a little bit of you. So um, do tell us if uh, maybe you were hoodwinked. And maybe vanity got the better of you, yeah. I would imagine. In if you did shop. look good in it, it's not much fun in that, did it? A man shopping on his own is always uh, bad. a bad man. Right. Shopping I've for, often, men shopping for clothes on their own. When I've often come back home and I've bought something and my wife says, Really? <laughs> and you feel a million dollars after that, doing straight in the charity bag. Straight have you done that before? Oh, all sorts. I've got, I've got, Paul, I have a leather jacket in my, in my, so, so have I. In my wardrobe. So have I. That I think it looked I, like the leather jacket that the late Dale Winton used to wear. And I, somebody, once somebody pointed out to me, there's nothing wrong with Dale, he was a lovely no. man, but I, that wasn't necessarily what I was looking for. If I kept the collar down, I looked like Dale. If I put the collar up, people would go, Hey, it's the Fonz. <laughs> it's a lovely jacket I bought very cheaply in America, but I've got to stick it on eBay. I've got, a, be I've got a beautiful it. leather jacket that yeah. I, if I wear it, I just, it just, I look like Ted Bovis in a leather jacket, basically. <laughs> there's no, when you've got a bit of a, a derby, as you say. Paul, a yeah. bit of a stomach. You, you can't pull leather. the leather jacket off. No, no, I'll tell you no. what I look like. Mike, Mike Reed in East End. You look like someone who's doing door work in a yeah. flat roof pub. It is exa it exactly is. that. Phoenix Nights, is it? So, yeah, the leather jacket's a mistake. Okay, well, um, if you've, somebody said, no, you look really good in that, or, or just that maybe it is those items you've gone back, the other half has gone, really? <laughs> uh, what was it, and um, what happened to it? Or did you tough it out? Did you think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care what they say. Wear this it. is my look, this is me. Um, I am what I am. Anyway, you get the idea. The other thing was today, when did you discover a bit of a latent talent? Dis yes. We spoke to Eugene Amadanzi. He's a lovely man. He's uh, one of the fastest men in Great Britain, one of the fastest men in the world currently. Um, and he discovered uh, this talent for running fast when he lived in Walthamstow in uh, in North London, yeah. North East London, um, and would run for the bus in the mornings. One of his friends was on a bus one day, and he saw the bus pull away. He could see his mate at the back window you know, giving him all the, all sorts. And he started sprinting for the bus. And his mate's thinking, he's never going to make it, never going to make it. And he makes and it. He makes it. He picks up with wow. the bus, says, yeah. you're, you're ridiculously quick, do you realise? So, I mean, he discovered this talent running for buses, always being late for school. So, if you discovered... I mean, they can be quite weird ones. Yeah. Uh, they don't have to be... Uh, particularly important ones. They can be all sorts. Of, maybe you had a, a, I don't know, a talent. An impression. 
Could be, yeah. Maybe you find you can do one impression in your That's whole right. life. Well, Andy Jacobs will be calling in, won't oh, he, basically? <laughs> Roy Hodgson. So, a man of a million voices, all of them the all same. All of them, basically, John Arler, <laughs> using, yeah, using the same bass. It's the one impression. Not the only impressionist like that, I will say. You know. No. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hawksby and Charlie Baker here on TalkSport. Charlotte was just saying, incredibly sad news today that Sir Michael Parkinson has uh, mm. died. Uh, we will play with a little excerpt of a chat we had with Michael Webb. Back in 2016, he popped in to see us a few times around books he had out, which were always fascinating, based yeah. on the the conversations he had with friends like George Best and Marmin Ali, which is the one we're going to play. There's, there's a, I was watching a, a bit of old TV, you know, because BBC Four often just shows some of the old ones. Yeah. I mean, just talking about an eclectic lineup of guests. You know, none of them had anything really to sell. They just came on to have a conversation. It wasn't like they were on the circuit, no. which is what you get. On, still on very good chat shows, but you know what's going on. They're flogging a film. They're yeah. flogging something. And it's Sir John Betjeman, uh, Maggie Smith yeah. and Kenneth Williams. Yes. Kenneth Williams, who Michael Parkinson always said they never got on. Uh, they yeah, really didn't. Sure. And he reads, a poet, one of, reads one of Betjeman's poems, doesn't the he? The two of them do. Yeah, it's yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I mean, honestly, there was one with Peter Ustinov, um, which is one of the funniest hours of TV I think yeah. I've ever seen. Just And he, it was just brilliant and letting other people speak. It was never about him as an interviewer. It's always about the person he was interviewing. Yeah, as a, as a comedian, you'd watch it and you'd see him with the great comics. You know, you'd see him with uh, Billy Connolly and you'd see him... With, with with great guests and 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 he was he was great at giving people their space. Yeah. He'd never try to be funnier than them. He'd always try and tee them up and and make them be the best version of themselves, yeah. which I think is what any great interviewer does. You know, he was a Fantastic. massive a massive sports fan. I've just seen uh, the the world of rugby league playing tribute. He used to get along to games. He loved the sport. He was obviously a big Barnsley football fan. Yeah. Um, and uh, also a massive cricket fan. Of course, yes. Dreamt of playing for Yorkshire, but it wasn't to be. Did play for Barnsley, and the man that opened the batting with him had a lifelong friendship. We went on to be a legend of uh, cricket as an umpire. Dickie Bird, his great friend, joins us now. Dickie, good afternoon. afternoon. Good afternoon to you. So, incredibly sad news, Dickie. I know he, I say he came up for your birthday party here. A short while ago, and, and he, he wasn't too well then either. But uh, you know, that's what friends do. You guys have known each other for what nearly 80 years, yeah. 80 years, 80. I, I think we worked it out, me and Parky. I think it's 84 years. Wow. We, we were friends, and uh, uh, as you say, came up to my 90th when I was 90, he came all the way from Braid just especially to be with me on my 90th birthday, Teddy Lee. And uh, he, 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 he wasn't well. He was, he, he, he was ill, but he came. He came, and that's, a, as you say, that's a true fr friend, mate. Mm. He was a very close friend. He was so close to me. We, our friendship, well, I can't tell you that. He only spoke to me yesterday morning. Wow. He spoke to me yesterday morning. He, he said, I think, we, I think, mate, it's getting, he said, I think, I'm getting towards the end, and I said, "No, keep your chin up, mate. Keep your chin up. Keep your chin up. Keep going. Keep going." But I could tell he was ill, yeah. and uh, we said our goodbyes yesterday morning. And uh, I was so well, well. It stunned me. I feel. I feel. I'm so down. I'm gutted because we've known each other, as you say, we've known each other so long. <laughs> And you talk about your Muhammad Ali's, you talk about your Garfield Sobers. This fella, Mike Parkinson, 
he was a true legend. He was a true legend. Yeah. And uh, you played cricket with him, Dickie, and he yeah. kept he kept Jeffrey out of the uh, out of the Barnsley team for a little while. But um, I mean, you must have been so fascinated to watch his career take off to, from being a writer in the newspapers, writing on Fleet yeah. Street, uh, you know, as a sports writer, as a columnist, and then going on to be this huge TV star. Yeah, he, he worked for for our local newspaper here in Barnsley, mm. the Barnsley Chronicle, as you say. And I've seen him rise because we, we opened together for Barnsley Cricket Club as young lads uh, in the Yorkshire League. And uh, his father and my father, they used to watch us on a Saturday afternoon. And he, my father and his father used to get arguing who was the best player, <laughs> me or Parchy. And... Uh, as you say, he kept boycott out of the side, mm. out of the Bowsley side. He kept boycott out. Uh, and uh, yeah, just me and Parky opened for, oh, oh, a few years. And uh, he was a, he's the best chat show host. Mm. You could have a ball, mate, as you say. He's the, he's the best. He is the best. You'll never see one as good in your lifetime or anybody else's lifetime. He was the best. And he, he was my closest friend. If I had any problems, I used to ring Parky up. If anything, you know, just get up phone to him and ring him. And when I know him when I wrote my autobiography in 1996. He, I, 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 all the publishers all over the world wanted to do my book. And I rung Parky up. I said, who should I go with? He said, I've got the one for you. Other than Stoughton, he said. Mm. Other than Stoughton, and by God, he was proved right. Because, yeah. as you know, it sold over a million copies in hardback yeah, and over a million copies in paperback. So that's a true friend, a good friend. And I'm heartbroken. Uh, well, I'm stunned. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm honestly lumping my throat, tears in my eyes. Understandable, and, yeah. And yesterday, mate, yesterday morning... <laughs> got to say goodbye though Dicky I mean that, that that's I mean a lot of people don't don't have that opportunity yeah. I know it's sad to lose a great friend but yeah. you did get a chance to say and, goodbye and a life to each other. A, a life really well lived uh, you know met everybody he did did many things that. he wanted to do you he know. said that he'd had, he'd had a charm life he'd, he'd done incredible things he, li he lived life to the full mm. yeah he lived life to the full and uh, and uh, nothing when I used to ring when I rang him up he used to Ring, ring me. We, we we chat on the phone, and have you got any problems, Dicky, and uh, uh, anything I can help you with? And, uh, and you know, yeah. that that's a that's that's a, a true friend. Yeah, that's a good friend, and and we shared our friendship. Uh, and my condolences goes out to Mary, his wife, mm -hmm. and his and, and his lad, uh, and. Uh, I shall certainly miss him, mate. I'll, I'll miss him. I'll tell you that now. Yeah. Yeah. Dicky, I mean, we really appreciate you joining us. We can hear it's not easy for you and you're very upset, but we do appreciate yeah. it. And thank you for joining us. You take care. Thanks, Dicky. Uh, uh, thanks, lads. And I always listen to your programme. It's a good, magnificent programme. Thank, thank, thank you, Dicky. Take yeah. care. Thanks, sir.
There we are, oh, Dickie Bird. Wow, it's tough, isn't it? It's losing your friend, you know. Yeah, all those years, all those yeah, years, and you know, the adventures they'll have gone on, and the people, yeah. people they'll have met, you know. And, and now three guys whose kind of lives were intertwined like that. One yeah. goes on to be a massive TV star. One goes yeah. on to be one of the greatest umpires of all time. The other one goes on to be one of the greatest cricketers of yeah. all time. What, what a story for you lads what, from What was in the water, Barnsley. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So, as we said, there was a real buzz for me and Andy to get to meet to Sir Michael. He yeah, came well, in. Were you, were, you, were you nervous when oh, you met him? Well, Paul? not so much. No, it was when great. you're interviewing him, are you aware you're interviewing I remember the producer, I think John was producing this then, said, um, it's got this new book out about Muhammad Ali. Yeah. And so I, I've I, read it, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, about the interviews, which are sort of legendary because they sort of span decades at the whole point. They were amazing, really, in the different phases of Ali's life. Yeah. They're going to be repeating lots of this stuff. And if you're not familiar with his work, if you're of an age where you think, I don't really know much about him. Well, you know, you are now going to be able to see the sort mm. of work he did, especially around sport. So when the the book uh, came out about Muhammad Ali and those infamous TV interviews, um, this was back in November 2016. We'll play you a little excerpt of it. And we began by asking Michael why he invited Freddie Starr onto the show with Muhammad Ali. Freddie had been introduced to him before this, so they had an acquaintance. So he invited a group of us to go with him to the theatre Dominion in Tottenham Court Road to see the premiere. He sat on the front row of the balcony, uh, and what we didn't realise, that Freddie could had this wonderful trick where he could actually imitate uh, a person breaking wind. Yeah. And more than that, throw it to any part of <laughs> the The ventriloquist. So, so <laughs> Ali kept turning around and saying, what's this? This is a good part. And it came to the death scene, right? And then we sort of gathered around Ali with the terrible wig on. And as the, 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 the priest was approaching, this terrible fart went right away. And, <laughs> and they, all the, the brothers turned around looking around for all the scope it was, and then another one be over there. It was, it was madness. It was awful. Like, get discovered and carried out, beaten up or something like that. But Ali took a shine to him. And, and, and uh, you know, a couple of occasions I went to where uh, Ali was a guest of honor, and he would appear with Freddie tucked under his arm, like mm. some dog. You know. He so, did some shadow boxing on uh, well, Freddie Star, which was a bit sobering for him, wasn't it? Well, I mean, he went, so we had him on the show, mm. and I, I think maybe it was a mistake. I mean, the first mistake was when he actually went out to do his act, and he, he got this stocking, black stocking, pulled it over his face. Right. Right, and did uh, clamp upon my knee, sonny boy. Mm. And I looked at Ali, because I could see the brethren coming down the stairs. Mm. And, and Ali just, I shouldn't laugh, but it was funny, because Ali was like, he looked at me and went, no, okay. Mm. So uh, tragedy was averted. But then he, he decided in, in a break that he would actually shadow box Ali. And then uh, Ali said to me, grab me, hold me. So I put my arms around him and he started doing the lip thing and looking at me. And they said, let me go. And he just sidled across the floor, glided, and put five lefts, which anyone that had missed by a third of an inch or been wrong by a third of an inch would have killed Freddie. Yeah. And Freddie's face with a picture was paralysed, literally. <laughs> wow. I mean, it was a very strange relationship, yeah. but again, it was an indication of how easily Ali coped with all kinds of people in all kinds of situations. Mm. He had a natural instinct toward liking people. Uh, and finally, I'm sure you're aware of this, but um, Muhammad Ali's wife, Lonnie, said in a couple of months before he died, he was, she was asked what he does during the day. He says... He watches the Parkinson interviews. I know. That's <laughs> amazing, isn't it? I mean, it, it was obviously a, a real effect on your life, but it clearly did on him as well. It, well, I, I don't know. It, it, of course, obviously it did, because he, when he came to the BBC to, to get his 
a Millennium Award, he asked me the Millennium. He asked one of my researchers, he had been one of my researchers going up in the lift, uh, if he could I'd get a couple of the shows and put them down, because he had to wait for two hours before he went on television. And uh, and they showed it to him, and my, my friend said, he, he would sit there and say, this is a good bit coming up, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so that was going on. I, I, I like, I, I'd like to reflect that maybe, you know, we were... Friends, but but not not deep friends, anything like that. But we liked each other, found each other agreeable company, and we made some fairly good television together. That was uh, Sir Michael Parkinson chatting to myself and Andy back in uh, November 2016 on Muhammad Ali. We'll try and play you some more excerpts of our chats a little bit later on in the show. That book, Muhammad Ali, a memoir, mm. I believe is still available. It's a fascinating read because, as we said, they're very different periods of. Ali's life. It's last... all the interviews, isn't it? But yeah. also all, everything around the interviews everything around as well. It's really interesting. Yeah. One that um, Michael Parkinson did in the States on the Dick Cavett show as well. They mm. you know, talk about that. So yeah. fascinating. Real connection. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hawksby and Charlie Baker here on Talk Sport. Where in this hour, we chat to the non tennis playing Murray brother. Yeah. Doesn't get a lot of publicity, but he's doing a show up in uh, Edinburgh with his mum, Judy. Yeah. Uh, and just chatting about. You know what it was like as the family dynamic of being the non-tennis playing brother in a very successful tennis it's playing like being family. the kindly cray. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it probably is a nice cray brother, you know. Yeah, the nice one. Yeah, that's right. Um, um, David's booked me on cameo, Paul. We were discussing my cameo earlier on. Really? Just just signed up for cameo yesterday. He's booked it for his wife Donna. Going to be giving her a go get it. Really? At some point, I haven't done it yet. I'm a bit nervous about it. Not done one, Paul. Yeah, so you, you want to do? You want to yeah. do a good job, don't you? If he books tickets for my tour as well, Paul, then wow, he's got the really got the Charlie Baker double there, hasn't he? Fantastic. You know, very nice. We we did ask you uh, today. Was that because Eddie Jones turned up doing yeah. quite a spiky? Yeah, Eddie Jones yeah. doing quite a spiky interview with the Australian press, having a pop at him for being negative. Um, and he did it in a, like a, a Macca pointed out, an I'm a celebrity style, like he's trying out for Australian I'm a celeb. Yeah. He's wearing a Bushman's hat. My old man's a rugby coach, he wears a Bushman's hat. It's like Borthwick wearing a bowler hat. It does, during, it, <laughs> it does look... Turning up in like a... Hello. It's a very entertaining uh, Eddie Jones-like. <laughs> it's worth watching if you can, but uh, somebody clearly, maybe Mrs J has said, you, you look good in that hat. You should yeah, definitely should. wear that hat good, more yeah, often. Yeah. Um, we've had I an fancy example. You in that hat. We've says. had an example of that come in uh, from uh, where's someone look at it? Where's it gone from? Yeah, you can. You, you uh, despite sometimes you go home mm. with the clothes, you can get a bum steer from your partner as yeah. well. Sometimes, Paul, they can. Well, they go. You look nice enough. This is a classic example. Steve Crust in the nineties before skinny jeans were a thing. Oh yeah, and all your clothes were three sizes too big. My girlfriend, now wife Donna, gave me some tight jeans and said, "You look really good in oh. those." Uh, they were way too tight, but I I wore them to go bowling with the fellas uh, oh, and uh, from football. Cue two hours of Mickey taking. Oh, no. Never wore them again. <laughs> <laughs> tight jeans. Like but, David Coverdale. What a terrible thing to go and do in tight jeans while yeah. bowling, Paul. That's a disaster. Wayne says, oh, yeah, uh, 20 uh, odd years ago on Impulse, I bought a light brown suede I bought some light brown suede Timberland boots. Boots. I can't even speak. Boots while on a family holiday in Guernsey. It's a lot of detail. It there. is, isn't it? Very nice. But they've always been quite trendy. Yeah, the Timberlands, wow. haven't they? Like the wife suede. hated them and said they looked like pasties with laces. <laughs> 
A lot of shoes look like pasties. As it, <laughs> I knew this was coming. As it turned out, they proved to be far more durable than my marriage. Oh, right. I oh, still right. wear them to this day. Oh, no right. idea what happened to her, oh, though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Talk Sports yeah, Central are. casting. Beautiful, yeah, Wayne. Like Thank this. you. Antoinette's been on t- in touch. Uh, yeah. Hi, I have a Chelsea hat. And a taxi driver said I look like Inspector Gadget. Yeah. <laughs> haven't worn it since. It only takes... <laughs> takes one little, little thing. thing. You go, yeah, you're absolutely you, right. You've got a new Mac or something or a new hat yeah. and then you go in thinking, yeah. they go, here he comes, Cluso. Yeah. Oh, get it. And you never wear it again. Columbo's here. You know, it's like my Dow Winton slash uh, Fonz yeah. jacket. You'll never Me, wear it again. Do you know again. what, Paul? We should perhaps Maybe wear, we both should wear our jackets in one day. Wear our leather jackets. And see, yeah. <laughs> a leather jacket special. Yeah, that's it. Just see if it changes the show in any way. Yeah, we'll both wear them. The ones that that, that we, we now realise. But it's, it's basically it'd be like QVC because I should sell mine. You should you sell yours. You could wear yours, Paul. You're a cool guy. You look great in no, mo- no, and all no, your clothes. Charlie, you look I great. I look, I look a I disaster. I put mine on and I look like I've won a competition. <laughs> <laughs> I look like I've won I've won a leather jacket yeah. in a competition. That's what I look like. Uh, we were also talking about Eugene Amadadzi, the fine British sprinter we spoke to on the show a little while ago, um, who realised he had this incredible talent for running fast when he was running for the bus in, in North East London, in Walthamstow, where yeah. he was brought up. And his mates couldn't believe how quickly he made up the ground to jump on the back yeah. of the old buses. Brilliant. Um, one of the listeners says, I could say the alphabet that by the time I was four. Except yeah. uh, I would say it backwards as quick as someone was saying it forwards. Wow. That would have got him on telly in yeah, those yeah, days. Really, be on that slide. I wonder if he's trained on. He's one of these kind of boff, <laughs> these boff kids. Well, now. he can do like a whole dictionary backwards. Yeah, like Rubik's Cube in about 30 seconds. I was never Rubik's one of those. Rubik's Cube's a big old. But, uh, this is the thing it's a trick, the Rubik's Cube. Is it? You can learn a certain amount of moves and then you can just do it. Stan, my son Stan learned to do it. And he learned it off the internet. And you learn a certain amount of moves, and then you can just do it. It's, big, right? it's a big old trick, Paul. I never, it's a I big never trick. Really can you do? It. Can you do? We should get one in. The, I'm, try no, and learn I'm, it. I'm absolutely useless uh, at, at anything like that, Charlie. I've got, but that's that is a definite shortcoming. I don't know if you've seen this big headline today in the Sun: drunk German wasps with time to kill oh, yeah. will be uh, coming across to the UK in the coming weeks. Apparently, okay. powerful stinging German yellow jackets. Proving a nuisance at picnics and barbecues, pest controllers say. Not now, drunk German wasps. I didn't, I didn't realise that they had uh, wasps in Germany. <laughs> I knew that I'm in France. I knew that I'm in France because David Ginola was able to confirm that uh, to Alan Brazil. Do you have one? Well, we we'll see if we, I think we oh, see if we can. Anywhere. We it's can it's find it for you. But and there was there was a series of shows. They were very entertaining shows because Davy's a top man. He was so great. He can rock a leather jacket. Yeah, well, exactly. when he came on with us, um, you know, again he'd look good in a bin liner, wouldn't he? Yeah. But uh, he had his leather jacket Paul, on. I think you're in, 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 in a, maybe no, just you're the just style doing, of leather. You're, you're, you're working me. I'm going to bring mine in. I reckon you'll look what nice. What is yours? In mine. Is it like a Michael Jackson no, red it's leather? Nice. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> Or is that a Marlboro, like a Marlboro one? Yeah. Like a racing driver from the 80s. Is it a biker's jacket? No, it's not anyway. like a biker's. It's got epaulets, though. I don't like the epaulets. It hasn't got epaulets, has it? <laughs> that's the things on the shoulder, isn't Yeah, it? that's it. Like to put your hat in. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing that lets what it down. What year did you buy the epaulet <laughs> leather long, jacket? Not very long ago. Really? Probably five years ago. I've just worn wow. it about... Tw- I'm, so, I'm so self-conscious I'm wearing a leather jacket. <laughs> 
Yeah. I was like, I'm wearing a gold leather jacket on, gold leather jacket on. So, it's, it's just years of watching the Fonz. You can't, yeah. can't get it out well, of I your system. I don't think he had epaulets on his. No, no, Unless no. he turned into a complete nerd in the last series. <laughs> they really did jump the shark, oh, didn't they? Anyway, they do have uh, wasps in France. As oh, far as we bad. know, we may remember this question from Alan Brazil. Was the wrong one? one? I think it was the wrong one. Paul Hannigan. I've got no idea what clip we were going to get. What clip were we going to get? Not one of those where Alan says, and I can say this, and then it goes straight to an advert. It probably would have been one of those. So we'll keep working on that just to let you know that um, we are going to be speaking to the non-tennis playing Murray brother, Duncan, in a few moments. uh, Um, Barry Glendening, uh, I did a show with him a few weeks ago. Um, We had a a betting feature, TalkSport bet feature. Yeah, for charity, isn't it? We had to put on a a three... uh, you call that a tricast? Is that a mm. tricast, Paul? A treble. Treble. Oh, yeah. And he said uh, Alcarez to win the tennis. Yeah. England to win the under 21s uh, tournament, uh-huh. which they did win. And he said Spain to win the Women's World Cup. Oh, no. There so we are. That, that, that and if it comes in, for, for his charity, he's making four and a half thousand quid. Yeah. Well, that that'll be, in that'll on, be on the Sunday. silver lining uh, if we lose. That'll be one of the few, I would yeah, think. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we want to lose, do we? Wow. I don't think we want to lose. We're going to be talking about the uh, Spain women a bit later on. We aren't certainly Because there's are. been all sorts of stuff happening there. I didn't get my, um, I didn't get my full money's worth this week. Uh, you watch Talker United versus Chippenham Town? Talker United at home to Chippenham Town. And yeah. and what's uh, the, the good uh, people uh, of Wrexham basically mm. got this over the line. One of the good things that uh, Ryan Reynolds did was get that you can stream the games. You can stream yeah. the games on National League TV, as good as it sounds, uh, Paul. Yeah. And uh, I missed both goals. Both Talker United goals were missed. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have any commentary and there was no clock. And at one point, I was watching the Brackley Town game um, on on that. So I watched at one point I was watching the wrong game, mm. didn't see any of the goals, and there was no commentary. Brilliant for, for nine nine pound fifty. That was National so you League complained, TV. didn't you? I did complain, Paul. I did complain. I could get a refund, but you know what? What strikes me is that a lot of the time the National League we're not Tim Pot. We're absolutely not Tim Pot, <laughs> and then they can't help but it to feel to, act to be absolutely Tim Pot. This wasn't a Talk United station. This is the National League have set up their own streaming service. Okay. So, but you know, I suppose they've got to do it. It might get better as the season goes on. Well, at least they gave you your money back, Charlie. That's the important I did get thing. me money back. It wasn't really, I wanted to see the goals we scored and being excited by the yeah. game. We won two one. We can now bring you that clip. Oh, good. It is Alan Brazil and David Ginola. You understand, David? You you have wash in France, no? <laughs> it's a bit briefer than I thought, actually. There's a lot of work for that. I it? like it when Alan goes no, like no, <laughs> like he's adding in some French. Yeah. <laughs> I think David said uh, he, was, he was very understanding. I think he didn't sigh. He just said, "Yes, uh, Alan, we have uh, wasps in, <laughs> in France, no, but they have them in Germany as well. So we've established oh, that. Yeah, very good. So yes, and they're uh, coming over here. Yeah, taking out. our jam. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hawksby and Charlie Baker here on TalkSport now. Not a lot of people know oh, yeah. that there is a third Murray brother. Mm. Doesn't get a lot of publicity. He doesn't court a lot of publicity, actually. He's not particularly interested. Um, obviously, the limelight is on Andy and, and his brother Jamie and, and, and to a certain extent, yeah. Judy, uh, their mum. Yeah, of course, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Duncan Murray really didn't take to tennis. wasn't his thing. Not for him. Strange, isn't it, in that, no, no, in that environment? Um, he is doing a show uh, with his mum uh, up in Edinburgh, I believe, in... Conversation to oh, talk nice. a bit about the experiences of being the third Murray brother. And we'd like to say that uh, Duncan joins us now. Hi, Duncan. Hey, Duncan. Hey, hi, hi, guys. It's uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for giving me uh, a little bit of a platform for one of the first times uh, in my life. Yeah, I know. You've not done. You say you've never courted publicity, Duncan. You've don't not, say you... court, Paul. Oh, don't, I say, don't yeah, say court. I'm going to start using tennis phraseology. That's very true. But uh, you've never gone. Look, I mean, why now? Why have you decided to sort of come out and and, and talk about it? Well, I just think it's important to know um, that I actually, even though I was in the background, played quite an important part uh, with the whole family dynasty, really, and. Now that the bros are getting a bit closer to the ends of their career, I feel like, you know, it's time now that I can come out with the shadows. So I'm just excited to make some revelations, talk about what it was like growing up with um, my opinions on, on mum being on Strictly and, and, and ultimately try and showcase some of my own skills and talents, which I do have. Oh. What's your thing then? Yeah. Duncan, what are we, I mean, without giving too much away, Umpiring? I'm sure, sure we'll see that on the night. No, I, th- I think I guess it's away from tennis. You'd probably, oh, okay. probably get as far. But what, what, what do you what do you excel at? Well, many things. Uh, certainly, motivation. Uh, oh. I think was a key thing. Um, for example, any time that Jam Jam or Andy had come home after a, a tough game, if they'd lost, you know, um, they would be absolutely devastated. But then. Andy would look at me and say, listen, Duncan, I only have to look at you to feel better about myself. So I, I know nice. I played a huge role, you know. Yeah, that is nice. That is nice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So when, when Andy was picking his doubles partner when they were growing up and he was obviously the better tennis player, you know, the better doubles tennis player, did you just did you just ever just stand there just like almost putting half putting your hand up and then obviously... He picked Jamie in, in, instead. So was there ever a time when you had a tennis racket in your hand? 
Uh, no, actually, and and not not for trying. Certainly, my mum Judy, um, she bought me a tennis racket eight years in a row for Christmas, which yeah. was very, very difficult. But she always said, you know, Santa hates a sloppy backhand. So they they were always <laughs> practicing, um, even on Christmas Day. But I would be in charge of you know the Yorkshire puddings and and uh, taking the dog out. Yeah, so yeah. different roles for different people. You've really played the long game, haven't you? Which is surprising. I mean, Andy does like to go five sets, yeah. so it runs in the family. In, in many ways, he has gone. Five sets in life before exactly. coming out to talk about it, Charlie. Beautiful. Good name you should, be doing, should be doing thought for the day, shouldn't you? Good name for your autobiography. Five sets did. in life. Yes, that's true. Um, uh, but I mean, how, your mum's going to be there as part of this conversation uh, up in Edinburgh. So, is there guilt? How does she feel? Like maybe do you feel? Do you feel maybe you didn't get the attention mm. that the other that your brother's got? Yeah, certainly. Um, definitely overlooked. I know she was committed to them and their endeavours, but she never once came to one of my hobby horse events or a LARPing game. So mm. I feel like, yeah, it was definitely different rules for different people, but she is doing these shows and that's something. Um, and I feel like it's my time to shine. This essentially is my Wimbledon. And, mm. you know, we've invited big names and celebs just like they have at the at the Wimbledon fancy box yeah. so we're hoping to see the crankies Mr Boom singing kettle so we're we're, we're all ready <laughs> fantastic yeah. were you ever in the paper uh, growing up I'm assuming Andy and Jamie were always in the in the paper with results or you know holding a trophy were you ever in the paper at all well, yeah, it, it certainly goes unheralded, but I did come third in a jam-making competition at our local fete. Mm -hmm. um, there was slight controversy because it was a strawberry jam competition and I had um, opted for plum. But the point was I, I did almost win something. Um, and, and, and in many ways, I thought that would be appreciated from someone like my mum who... Um, I, I've I've been inspired by really more recently. She's she's tried new things. She she was absolutely average on Strictly, and so I thought she would appreciate me being absolutely average uh, at most things. Yeah. Was it yeah. you a bit embarrassed watching your mum on Strictly? Yeah. Well, yeah, I have to say that Jamie was full of encouragement. Uh, Andy wasn't too sure. My main fear was really you you hear a lot about showmances happening on that show oh, yeah. and i just wasn't ready to call anton daddy yet so i <laughs> i didn't know what was going to happen it's there that curse, was my... yeah. it would have yeah. been strange now um if people can't get along to the uh, the gig i imagine it will be a hot ticket when uh, you and uh, your mum sit down uh, with uh, somebody's going to be hosting the evening i understand is that right yeah, we've uh, we've managed to convince uh, Des Clark oh, um, good. to 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 have a, a professional safe pair of hands. My my mum didn't fully trust me to navigate the whole event myself. So Des is is he's going to be like the 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 Sue Barker of the event uh, in many ways. Although you know, um, I'm not as attracted to him as I am Sue, uh, but that's the only difference. Both uh, I mean, consummate I, professionals. Yeah, of course. It's yeah. quite good because, I mean, a lot of people have, will have heard of Des in Scotland. Everyone's heard of Judy Murray, you know. Yeah. So once again, you'll be third most famous on stage. I think that's the way Duncan wants it. In, in a seat you're sort of used to, yeah. Yeah, I, I, until the end of the show, because then I feel like I've planned a, a big enough finale that perhaps I could overcome everyone's perceptions of me and they'll say boy we we witnessed something here today yeah. this was like 
Andy winning Wimbledon or a gold medal, we saw, you know, we saw something great here today. Well, it's they will do it. I mean, if if they not say if they're not able to get along, there are videos you can watch. If you put in the yeah. Duncan and Judy Murray show, they've been uh, doing different videos, tennis lessons that Judy was giving Duncan, yeah. not particularly successfully. I will be honest. So it's August nineteenth and twentieth at the Stands Newtown Theatre um, during the Edinburgh Festival. People can see the Duncan and Judy Murray show. Yeah, fantastic. So look, uh, we hope it goes well, Duncan, and we hope this is yeah. the start of something for you, maybe. A bit more media work, and is there, is there anything you'd like? Would you like to, you know, do a bit of reality TV as your profile's up? Would you go into the jungle? Would you do something like that, or a bit of anything you quite fancy? Love yeah. Island, or, or anything like that? Or? Well, I mean, certainly uh, during lockdown, where Mum had me just locked in the attic, separately away, I, I did eat a lot of, of, of just kind of um, bugs and, and tidbits that she would leave at the sure. door before <laughs> knocking it and running away. So mm. I. I, I yeah, perhaps I'm, I would be uh, pretty adapt at some challenges. But, um, yeah, I'll just keep my head down, keep keep playing gaming online, and uh, hopefully I can just I can just see my way through, you know. Yeah. Well, it's Great. lovely to talk to you, Duncan. Uh, Cheers, Duncan. Fantastic. Thanks for uh, chatting to us today. And uh, the uh, Duncan and Judy Murray show that stands Newtown Theatre Grand Hall this Saturday and Sunday with uh, Judy Murray, Duncan's mum, and Des Clark, your host. Thank you, Duncan. Thanks, Duncan. Thank you, guys, and, and keep on sporting, you know. We will. Good stuff. We yeah. will keep on sporting. Thank you, Duncan. That's uh, Duncan Murray. Very man. nice. Third very nice. Murray brother that doesn't like tennis and, and isn't yeah. very good at it. But yeah, I thought he came across well. Yeah, I think, you know, it sounds like he's coming out of his shell a little bit, you know. Interesting. Which is nice, isn't it? Shame so, they didn't invent tennis trebles. You know, they do doubles, don't they? Oh, yeah. Trebles would be... Yeah, one in each box, someone at the back. Trebles, quadruples. Yeah, yeah, a lot of players either side of the net. Yeah. Sounds like a good idea, doesn't good it? Good idea. Just just getting in each other's just way. Invented a new sport. I think you have <laughs> six aside tennis. <laughs> Fantastic. It's a one. great idea. Oh, swinging about. Excuse me. Man. Sorry. Mad. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is a belter, Paul. Yeah. Uh, hi, guys. About 20 years ago, I was on holiday in Turkey with the wife and son. We did a trip out to the leather factory, which mm. you do do that sort of yeah. thing sometimes. When we got there, we were shown... Uh, oh, hold on a minute. We were shown... Uh, all to the back of the factory, uh, we all sat down around this big catwalk. The, sh the show started, yeah. and this young lady came out clad in leather. Suddenly, she was amongst us and dragged me onto the stage. I then spent the next 15 minutes parading up and down in various leather jackets and a Stetson. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Oh, I just dear. suddenly recorded, I, I actually I, I gave it away on the show. I, we went to Mexico on holiday with some okay. friends. Oh, lovely. <clears throat> and the, the other coast... Puerto Vallarta on the sort of uh, Pacific coast. Oh, yeah. um, and it was pretty quiet little beach. They had a couple of little sort of shacks there where they were selling sort of knickknacks okay. and stuff. So I wandered up to have a look. There were two lovely old ladies there and no one had been buying anything. Yeah. And I felt, you know, I just felt for them. So they had, had some T-shirts. They didn't have, I thought I'd get a T-shirt. Why not? And they didn't really have anything that was any good. But there was one there that had sort of Puerto Vallarta on it and it was about three quid. I'm like, I'll buy a T-shirt. Yeah, I've on. come all this way. It's a very... So I bought this T-shirt, and it had this kind of old embroidery on it. And I didn't feel it was that hideous until I got back to our friends. And they said, you, what you bought? I said, I just bought a T-shirt. And I held it up, and they all burst into 
laughter. Yeah. Even the kids were pointing. Ha, 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 look at you, you idiot. All of them, what kids. Had you, what had you bought, Paul? It just, it was I'm quite, I mean, looking back, it was an horrendous T-shirt. Oh. And so I brought it and I gave it away to a talk sport listener. Oh, I can't remember why. Could yeah, have worn that under your leather jacket. I know, I could have done it. Been I could have taken it off and had that underneath yeah, it. But for everybody to point and laugh, it was a bit, ah, bit much for a three-quid T-shirt, really, yeah. when you're just trying to do a good turn. Anyway, it's Paul Hawksby and Charlie Baker here on TalkSport. As we've been hearing, really incredibly sad news that Michael Parkinson has has died. A guest on this show uh, a few times over the years. He wrote some fascinating books. We talked about the Ali book, and we'll play you another excerpt of mine and Andy's chat with him from the time the Muhammad Ali interviews book came out. He also wrote a book about his great friend George Best, uh, which is absolutely brilliant as well, talking about his friendship with George and... You know the difficulty of you know standing up for George when it was difficult to yeah. do that, but you you know you always found yourself rallying round him. And I think at one point when the press were all after George, he was all over the papers. Went and stayed with Michael and his wife okay. Mary. It was a kind of safe haven. Uh, so that's, that, nice. that's another great read. So many of Michael's books are. He was people forget he was a brilliant journalist, great writer. Yeah. I think he wrote a book on cricket as well, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he yeah, wrote yeah. loads of books. Um, um, so. Anyway, let's bring you another excerpt of our chat from November 2016. Um, Michael was talking about how he felt about uh, Muhammad Ali outside of the ring. He might have had his disagreements with the organisation, the Nation of Islam, and he certainly did, but his own faith, the basic root of his faith, nobody could dissuade him from that at all. He believed that solidly. And he was a, he's a very... Uh, in a sense, holy man in that sense. I mean, mm. he, was, he wasn't he was a saint at all, but he was he felt deeply about his religion. Yeah. When he, when he brings out that poem about Fraser, it's an incredible thing, the, the predictive poem before the fight. Did he have it written down? Did he just recite that from memory? Recited it. Gosh. You know, when he had that three and a half years off, of course, he was tutored by Malcolm X, was a wonderful speaker. It was a time of uh, Vietnam, it was turned like college campuses going up in flames. And he saw in Ali, he saw the power of his oratory. So he took him on one side and he showed him how to speak, told him how to speak. Mm. He wrote some speeches for him. And he had this extraordinary retentive memory, he could remember things. And for three and a half years, that's what he did. He went around the campuses and he just preached and preached and preached about the war in Vietnam, about the ghetto children, about getting the needle out of your arm and all that stuff. And did a lot of very, very good work. People forget that. So he was a very contradictory and remarkable man. He really was. I can think of nobody in sport who actually had the reach that he had. You say when he came down the stairs that first time for the first interview, you heard the audience gasp. Yeah. You said there was, I mean, well, you've interviewed was, and met was, so many great people. What yeah. was it about him? Was it this kind of aura that he it had? Was, it was that he was actually beautiful. Hmm. I mean, I it's him, a silly it? word to describe him as a man, I suppose. <clears> but, but he was, when he appeared at the top of the stairs and he smiled, I mean, the smile blinded to start with. And then as he ran down, not didn't really, just tripped down the stairs, you saw the physical grace of this man. He was a beautiful mover. And then the, when he got nearer, you saw how big he was. And, he, you know, he sat down in the chair and the chair didn't fit him. We had to go and get another chair. It was Bill Cotton's Bill chair. Cotton. It was like a giant's chair. <laughs> like a throne. Bill, Bill's only claim to fame after that. <laughs> yeah. Dear old Bill. And, uh, and so, I mean, that was it. He, he, was, like a, he was like something from another planet. Um, you next and final interview was in 1981, when My I think it was pretty clear that he was showing some of the early signs of, of the issues he was have 
later in life, the kind of power and clarity has gone in his voice. But yeah. there's those moments mm-hmm. when he's, you know, he's still an entertainer. He can still go with it. Absolutely. Like. But I didn't know, actually, when I was, my feeling was when I was talking to him, it was a bit the last time I talked to him. Mm. And it was very autumnal, I think that's the way I described it. I mean, I was leaving the BBC and moving on. Ali was not going to fight too many more fights. Those that he did were disastrous. Sure. So the Ali that I'd known and admired for so long had gone, and here was the last chance maybe I would ever have to talk to him about himself and in a more reflective mood. And it's one of my favourite interviews with him, actually, because it does catch that mood of two guys who, you know, chatted to each other, had a fight and all that sort of thing, but now we're in a different era. And I was sitting down in, in the club, you know, I'm in a pint and just mm-hmm. talking to <laughs> Do you remember that? Do you remember that? So oh, I, I love that interview and I'm but delighted you... I did it. Michael Parkinson there. Oh. And I'm sure the BBC will repeat that show, which was imagine, yeah. Michael kind of, much as he does in the book, sort of telling the story of the three interviews and where Ali mm-hmm. was at in his life at those different points yeah. and their relationship and the... The interview when he went over to the States and did the interview with Dick Cavett and Frazier, which is just fascinating stuff. So yeah, really I'm, I'm sure there'll be lots of tributes and uh, it's it's in sad circumstances, but an opportunity to just realise how great he was at his job. That was a great interview as well, Paul. Well, then. That was, that was, that was really great radio. radio. Thank it you was, very it much. Was, you know, when you've got someone like that, you talk and sit back and sit back and have a listen. It was, a, it was a, a, an honour. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. We've been paying tribute to uh, Sir Michael Parkinson this afternoon and he's visits into the talk sports studios to chat with myself and Andy. And we'll play you one final clip uh, now. Um, this was from that chat back in November 2016 when their conversation centred on his relationship with Muhammad Ali. And uh, he was talking about his relationship not just with Ali but with Joe Frazier too. Part of the joy of meeting Ali was meeting Frazier. Ali was very cruel toward Frazier. I think mm. because, in a sense, he wasn't frightened of him. He wasn't frightened of anybody. But he understood this was a proper fighter. I mean, this guy would not go down. And he'd kill if he could get hold of you. Yeah. And their fights, I thought, represented all that was best in boxing, apart from the way that Ali taunted him. I didn't like that at all. Because yeah, and you, Frazier, t- you, took, you took Ali to task on that a few times, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, and it was worth doing so, because I did like Frazier. It's something noble about Joe Frazier. And, of course, Muhammad Ali missed the point, maybe quite deliberately, that he was just the kind of man, Joe Frazier, 10th or 12th son of a cotton picker, who Ali, he was supposed to be representing. Mm. The, Ali wasn't downtrodden like he was. I mean, Ali, in a sense, I mean, everything you, to say, he's middle class, but he wasn't that, but he was he was not down in the dumps like, like Frazier. He didn't come from that background. And you know, when he, when he threatened to give Frazier a ghetto whooping, Frazier said, what does he know about the ghetto? Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't, Frazier yeah. did. The, the second interview, which involved Joe Frazier and Dick Cavett, the US uh, TV host. My favourite. Yes. Yeah. It's, I, I watched it back again yeah, over the weekend. Oh, and God. you you say in the book, you kind of got a little bit marginalised. You realised you'd been sort of railroaded mm. into something. It wasn't going your way. It struck me that was a kind mm. of a mark of him that he felt that, because he said to you, didn't he? He said, what are you doing here? Because you, you, weren't, you weren't, you were kind of being sidelined. But what a lovely thing to do, really. But it was. He was very generous. And, and we did actually get on together. We liked each other. Uh, and and I, but I, that was entirely my fault. I was I was nervous as hell. Hmm. I don't know why. American television is very different, you know, in those days. I mean, and Cavett and, and Ali knew each other well, and and they both more or less agreed it would be a car crash rather than an interview. And they kept me out of that. So I, not, things were happening around me that I was baffled by. You know, I'm not making an excuse at all, uh, not at all. But had I got to Cavett at the end of the show, I would have killed him. <laughs> <laughs> but interestingly, after the third interview, and we'll talk about that. Yeah. 
Yeah. We were talking about hitting people and who hit him. Your dad's comments were interesting, wasn't it? Because <laughs> yeah. he was so tricky during that interview. And your dad said to you, didn't you, why didn't you hit him? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Well, it's a kind of reaction of the Yorkshire Miner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing about that. Well, we'd, we'd more or less both agree that, that what we should do in, in this, we'd had our fun and all that sort of thing, was to actually really do the proper interview, now, life and times, if you like, and all that. Sadly, it got sidetracked on the issue of, of his uh, literacy. Uh, and again, maybe I was to blame for that. I raised the subject clumsily, and, and he took off. I mean, he was very proud of himself. He was ashamed that he was semi-literate. Uh, and and I, I think that, that he, he thought when, when I pulled this book out, I was going to say, read, well, you read it, you know. And, and I wasn't going to do that. And I made the point that Schulberg said that of all the fighters, black fighters he knew, Schulberg knew, he, Ali, got the most white friends, and that started it. And yeah. you could see in his eyes he was going to go, and he went. And his point was, I don't have any white friends at all. They're associates. I wouldn't be a friend of a white man. And all that stuff went on. And you had to take it, you know. You had to try the best you can to sort of fence it off. And I always had a sense with him that, that, that if you liked him as much as I did, and most of the interviews did like him, mm. you got very protective of him. Because you could understand that he would not see what we were seeing in the white audience. And so you, you'd feel, I've got a responsibility here, in a sense, to pull off a bit, you know. Yeah. And, of course, it, it just he'd got, got into his stride. And when he got into his stride, he was unstoppable. There we are, Sir Michael Parkinson talking to myself and Andy back in November 2016 about his interviews with Muhammad Ali. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic interviews as well. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Time for the birthday spread. A simple game involving ten birthdays. Uh, the job of myself and Charlie is to guess how old these people are. They yeah. celebrate their birthdays this week. Andy uh, has been in charge of this. Andy Jacobs, he's collated them all. Mm. Um, and he's collated them on the basis that he can find something funny about all of them. Yeah, I love it. And has a, a, a top-notch, purpose-built gag attached to each one. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, boys. And uh, I'm looking forward to this competition. And like I was saying yesterday on the show, it's, it's going to be volatile. Charlie, stay with it because there's plenty well, of yeah. opportunity to go down or be ahead or come back. So mm. don't start don't, your sulking. Don't lose well, it. I'm not going to sulk, but I just feel like I, I make this. Are. I feel like I make it entertaining. And if I pull my services out, yeah. then it, there's the whole your whole format falls flat. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's yeah, like it didn't exist before you yeah, for exactly, 20 years. Yeah, well exactly, done. just like, like it just live on. flat. It, it was here before you came, and it'll be here Brilliant. long after So I'm just going to be very dry throughout the whole thing. Yeah. We're just, you're just a custodian of this game. Um, somebody has to keep score, and it is Jeff Peters. Hello, Jeff. Very good afternoon from the Nerve Centre. Yeah. You met Tom Brady last weekend, Ooh. Jeff, didn't you? I did, very Was he nice man? Yeah, yeah, he was perfectly polite. I'm not an NFL fan, but uh, I was keen to get a selfie because I knew that uh, all my uh, um, NFL friends would be yeah. very envious. Oh, yeah. I've got to work out when his birthday is so I can tweet it again. I would not be that embarrassing. Okay. Um, so this is the 81st meeting wow. between okay. Paul and Charlie. And Paul wow. is going for his 50th win. Wow. Uh, but Charlie leads 14-11 in 2020. Which is the real quiz, yeah. And he trails 2-0 to Max in time difference. Uh, no one in, cares. Uh, in no one spilling cares into other games. No one cares about time difference. <laughs> so, uh, we better crack on. Um, we, we bring you the music of Palais and Sergio Mendes as a backdrop. Here it is. And the first birthday in this volatile birthday spread you promised us, Andy. 
Yes, we get underway with the actor Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. And before he got back uh, with Jennifer Lopez again, Ben dated another Jennifer who was a defensive-minded coach of a Portuguese women's team. She was Jenny from the low block. Oh, <laughs> very good. I'm still, I'm still, yeah. Mm. Um, I'd say, what is he, Ben Affleck? 53. 50. 51, good start. Oh, yeah. so what's that done to the scores? Paul 2, Charlie 1. Two one. Very volatile so far. Isn't we it? alternate. Charlie goes next. Here we go. Okay, it's the philanthropist, wife of Bill, Melinda French Gates. Melinda French Gates. <laughs> and after a split up with Bill, I introduced her to the cricketer Matt Windows. I was hoping they'd marry, so she'd be Melissa French Windows. Wouldn't she, be Melissa French Gates Windows? Oh, French Windows. No, it doesn't matter. No, she wouldn't. The gates would go. Oh, the gates! Yeah, yeah, you can't let the gates go, can you? Oh no, you can't ruin the French windows. Just wander straight in. Okay, it'd be good if she joined uh, uh, with uh, with Gene Simmons, wouldn't it? Yeah, being kiss, French kiss. Oh, okay. okay. Well, that doesn't work, Charlie. Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> it's not As good, I said, is it? I'm, I'm just pulling out. Buy, just don't pull forget, it. buy tickets for his tour. I'm just pull, pulling out just all my joie de vivre out, out the game just to see if that helps me. <laughs> just to suck the joy just out of it. You're the just joy. doing really bad gags. Yeah. That's okay. my job. That's his job, yeah. Okay. And mine. So, uh, 68. Who's was it? I've forgotten who it was. Well, I said part of it. Melissa French. Oh, Melinda. Melinda. Melinda French she Gates. Is she that old? Did, um, oh, 60, Melissa. 61. Melinda. 61. 59. No, Sorry, Melissa. Melinda, Melissa, if you're listening. What's the score, Sorry, Jeff? Very Paul, bad. two out onto four. Charlie, nine out onto ten. Yeah. Ten. Okay. okay. Here we go. That was a bad guess. Mm. It's the broadcaster, Michael Brunson. Michael oh, yeah. Brunson. Michael Brunson, the broadcaster. (laughs) He used to specialise in supplying non-traceable, fully disposable mobile phones. You must have heard of the Brunson burn. I nearly messed that up. The Brunson Brunson burn. I've never heard of that. (laughs) To be fair, Andy, you got into a bit of a Brunson pickle over that one, didn't you? Michael Brunson sounds sounds like like Charlie's. Sounds like Michael Brunson, but like you've bought it off the market. Yeah. (laughs) Charles Brunson T-shirt. It's you, Paul. Oh, it is me. And then I will just go one either side of yours. So Brunson, I've got a clue who he is. Michael Brunson, um, um, 78. Brunson. Well, I want to try and get something back, so I'll just go 76. 83. Oh, oh okay, 83. There so, they are. You can't go off a name. Well, okay. I had heard of him before. Have you not heard of him before? What's a clue? To cl- an old ITN journalist. I don't think anyone's ever heard of him. Back in the day. Okay. <laughs> what, what's, uh, what's the scores, Jeff? Paul, five out onto nine. Charlie, seven out onto 17. 17. Okay. Right, okay. Charlie goes next. All right, Charlie, you'll know this one. It's the fine actor from Hustle. Adrian Lester. Adrian yeah. Lester. And eight years ago, he achieved an amazing feat for an actor. He made three feature films, four TV shows, and a completely sold-out West End run for the entire year. Yes, 2015 was a miracle season for Lester. Tremendous. He was also the outsider for the role of James Bond. Was he? Lester's okay. odds were 5,000 to 1. Oh, Okay, that's good, yeah, yeah. More okay. Leicester material. Yeah. Anyone uh, else want to do a pun on the word Leicester? <laughs> no, that's it, I think. No, okay. um, what do you think, Charlie Adrian Lester? Uh, 54. Yeah, he doesn't look it, does he? He's been around a long time. He's in the Affleck envelope. I'll go a bit younger. I'll go 50. 55? Wow, Ooh, is he really? There we are. Oh, that's wearing well. We're back. Charlie mm. closes the gap. Charlie, mm. one out onto 18. Paul, five out onto 14. Wow, it's quite the game. Very OK, nice, we're heading yeah. to uh, half-time with this one, Andy. 
Okay, no apologies for reprising this one. You'll oh. see why. It's the actor and cookery writer, Madda Jeffrey. Oh, yeah. And, of course, as a massive fan of Luton, she's not only delighted they've been promoted, but is certain they're going to stay up. As I say, Madda's a hatter. Madda's a hatter, oh, yeah. Lovely. Very nice. It's back. Oh, we knew it was back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. Madda Jeffrey, one of the old pioneers of telly cooking, of course, yeah. you know, back in the day. Pioneers. Um, our, uh, I'd say recipes. she's got to be getting on. Pioneers. <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> <laughs> I just did a little secret joke in the background while you were it was talking. Quite funny. <laughs> what was it? I didn't. You said one of the you pioneers. Share it with the class. <laughs> share it with the class baker. Speaking under after your breath. I, after, I did, after I did one earlier, and you told me it was really awful and not okay. to speak. It was a good one. Andy yeah. laughed. Pioneers is one of her recipes. Ah, <laughs> it's fine. Okay. Um, I'd say she's 83. You had to be there. At 83, manager. <laughs> got lost in the retelling. It did a bit. Yeah. 86. Ninety. Wow. Ooh, okay. Okay. We're back in. Yeah. So, well, that's. Well, I think we're we're dead level, aren't we, Jeff? Not, or not? No. Quite. No. You're seven out, out Paul. So okay. you're on to twenty-one. Charlie, four out, on to twenty-two. So one in it wow. at, the, at the halfway lovely, stage. Amanda Jaffrey. Mm, she's got. Oh, yeah. She's got two children, a boy and a girl. I've never met her daughter, Sakina. You probably know she's an actress. Been in House of Cards and Timeless. Yeah. But I know James, Madda's son. Oh, okay. it's all getting a bit less. Come on. Yeah, okay. Come on, what? Yes, yeah. not bad. Come on, what? I know Get the sack. <laughs> so it's Come 21 on. 22. G give up your broadcast. <laughs> Come on. Second half, just moments away. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Goon and Ronnie's been in touch. Come on, Paul and Charlie. That was a decent joke by Jeff. James Madison. There we are. Probably a Leicester. Get yeah. in. There's, there's, Cousin. Uh, 21-22. Charlie um, is behind by one. And um, Charlie will lead us off as we start the second half. Here we go. OK, we get underway in the second half with the musician uh, from Sparks, I believe, Ron Mayo. Mm. Ron Mayo. Yeah. And he was always last to be chosen when we played playground football. I always took great delight in saying, you've got mail. Very nice. Yes. Very nice. Ron Mayo. I was going to make a joke, but this quiz isn't big enough for the both of us. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> what do you think? It's me, is it? Yes, you, Charlie. It's me, is it? It's okay. you. Um, uh, Ron Mayo. I do like... Which one Which one is he? I can't tell you. Which one of Sparks is he? Can't tell you. Do you know which one he is? No. I do, yeah. Oh, okay. It's the one called Ron. <laughs> what do you think? I think he is... 73. Yeah, probably right. He's the he's the piano player. Oh, okay, player. yeah, yeah, yeah. Russell's the singer. Um, yeah. 75. 78. Ooh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so Paul has extended the lead a little bit there. Two out onto 23, Charlie five out onto 27. Four in it, four to go. Okay. Um, okay. Back to me then. Here we go. It's the clinical psychologist, Professor Simon Baron-Cohen. Simon Baron-Cohen. And uh, I wouldn't let him join our cricket club, and he wasn't happy about it. He said, is it because I is a clinical psychologist? <laughs> ah, okay, very good. <laughs> very good. I like that. Oh, that's different. It could be anything, couldn't it? Could it could be anything at all, couldn't it? Clinical psychologist. Well, we've had him the last two years. Uh, yeah. so, uh, oh, that's okay. Anything. okay. So he's two years older than the first we time we had him. We have a lot of birthdays go through. Yeah, 80, lot, lot goes through. 84. That's, yeah, it could be quite volatile. Is he, is he old like that? I don't know. Is he old like that? I've just guessed I've taken a chance. Well, I don't want to go miles off you. When you say 84? Yeah. 85. <laughs> 65. Oh, oh, that was my chance, wasn't that it? That was a chance. That was a real yeah, chance. But, you know, I couldn't go too far away because if it was, no, you know, no, no. I didn't know who he was. So, no, so he could have been, been Sasha's dad, couldn't he? Yeah, he could have been. Is he? 
No. Paul 19 out onto 42, Charlie 20 out onto 47, five in it, three left. 47, 42. Back to Charlie, back to Charlie then. Okay, she's the chairwoman of the Ballet Rambert Dance Company, Dame Sue Street. Dame Sue Street. (laughs) And I was with her on the day that King Charles ascended to the throne, but she wanted nothing to do with it. I said to her, don't you want to watch the Coronation Street? Oh, okay. (laughs) She's the... What of the principal, did you say? She's the chairwoman of the Ballet Rambert. The Ballet Ballet Rambert, of course. And I'm going to say she is 78. Okay. um, 70. Ooh, 74. That's exciting. Well, 74. Right, right down the middle. Ding dong do this. In the middle. Close. Both four this? out. 46-51. Paul is in the lead by five. 46-51. 46-51. Okay. Here we go. Nothing five in it. Two to go. Two to go. Okay, it's the International Financier. Or financier. <laughs> do, you mean fin- do you mean financier? <laughs> financier. I hope he's I French, this guy. <laughs> do you have wasps? <laughs> yeah. Do you have He is the French financier. <laughs> a very good morning. A very good morning to who, Andy? International Financier. George Soros. Jo- George, George Soros. George, George, oh, George I was, Soros. I, I do struggle as well. I was asked to recommend a financial expert to Elton John, but I just couldn't remember his last name. I said to Elton, for me, Soros seems to be the hardest to <laughs> You knew it was coming. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Okay. It's me, is it? Paul. It, uh, it's, it's me. It's Paul. George Soros, 70, 79. What's his title, please, Andy? <laughs> International <laughs> Financier. Financier. And you're saying he's 79. Yeah, Financier. I want to be in, I know, so I could really go for it, but it's, I think it's a bit pointless, so I'm mm. going to go 77. He's 93. Oh, is he really? Oh, I seem to remember him being around George Soros. Yeah, we're, we're not, it is volatile. The scoring's not good. Where are we at, uh, Jeff, into the last birthday? Very much a regal situation, unfortunately, really for Charlie. Every time, every time. Paul 14 out onto 60. Charlie 16 out onto 67. So seven in it. One seven in it. One to go. Okay. This is where I strike. Okay, here we it's go. It's the political scientist and author, Professor Andrew Gamble. Oh, Professor yeah. Andrew Gamble. Andy Gamble. He, he was with me when I flew my first helicopter trip to the Cheltenham Festival. We were the other... We Sorry. Huh? We, <laughs> I was Gamble. Gamble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We landed the Gamble, that's it. I'll get there. <laughs> oh, you landed the Gamble, yeah, yeah. right, okay. Got the time, um, the board takes the turn. So just remind us, he's... Political prof- scientist professor, and author. Professor, professor Andy Gamble. Please Andrew guess Gamble. responsibly. Not many young Andrews, <laughs> are there? Young Andrew. Andrew. Not in this game. Andrew Gamble. Wow, this is Andy, very tough. Professor Andy Gamble sounds. Um, what does he sound? 82. You've got to be 80 I either way. Strike. Yeah, I think you've done well there. It'll be 74 or 90. I'm going to go the wrong way, so I'm going to go 90. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. 76. That's me chance, you see. You could have won it, couldn't you? That's ridiculous. Could have won it, could have won it, couldn't I? No. No, should have won it. Couldn't really. have won it. Couldn't no, have won it. because Paul was six out, so that took him yeah. to 66, so he was going to win oh, anyway. Yeah, Charlie finishes on 71. Yeah. So that is a 50th... Wow. Win wow. For Paul. Well done. Raise your bat, Paul. 81st spread. Raise, raise, your, raise your birthday cake. There and we are. T- <laughs> and, and Charlie, well done. Well done for not losing it today because 
just you know, I did, what I didn't want was you to have the joy of pressing that button wherever sad little place you are with your sad little buttons, living your sad little life. Oh, I'm getting a little sound effect for that. Oh, that could be great fun. I don't know why you're on an old modem all of a sudden. Oh, lovely. So, thank you, Jeff. Thank you, guys. Um, and thank you, Andy. I'll see yeah, you thank tomorrow. Thank you, Andy. Yes, pleasure. Thank yeah. you, Andy. So there we are. There's Sorry the for calling spread. it a terrible format. And yeah, the, and everybody else got on. I hope you all did okay. Entertainment. Um, I hope you did okay. Uh, a lot of people. Oh, home. great show, Jen. Oh, Andy, what do you, I'm on for a personal versus currently in 38. This was halfway through. John the Swindon fan. Yeah. I haven't had the hard ones. So, I think that's us, more or less. Oh, Charlie. lovely. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. Uh, we will um, I'll go again with Andy tomorrow. Busy Friday. Very uh, nice. You're back on Saturday. Yeah, we're 10 to 1 Saturday. Um, me and Max. There's no early game this weekend. So, uh, but very much looking forward to England in the World Cup Sunday morning, Certainly Paul. Certainly are, yeah. And uh, that should be fascinating. Stuff. Yes. So, live on uh, TalkSport, 11 o'clock. On Sunday, we'll be uh, building up to that tomorrow, amongst other things, the Premier League weekend. Do hope you can join us. If not, podcast available around four. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.